0: the every
1: year. I hope you enjoy one of the Puts on the step. Goes right through. Puts on the step again. Oh, go Freddy. That was magnificent stuff. Well, I hey, shall not wear really them. Parcel skips
2: away. Parcel skips away. Parcel's still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. Vito
0: Davis on the outside. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast broadcasting live from Taree through Josh Adokar's Instagram account. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing all of the fallout following player breaches of important health regulations, as well as a big chat about what the upcoming season kickoff will look like on May 28. But first, I am joined on the top of a pair of old dirt bikes by two men who are about to launch a stage show in Australia depicting the life and times of Joe Exotic. It's Sandra Rizzotto and MediaWatch Mario. Welcome, lads. Good to be here. We need to talk about player breaches. Now, three high-profile players so far have been found to have flaunted the social distancing rules, and that is Latrell Mitchell, Josh Adokar and Nathan Cleary. It's never the low-profile players, I've noticed. I wonder if we would have gone so apeshit if Nat Butcher danced around his living room with a bunch of hot girls. I mean, for one, he would never have landed them to begin with, so the question's probably moot. But, lads, the first question on the show is this. Was the NRL's punishment too light, which the last time I checked stood at missing no games on a suspended basis and a fine for Mitchell and the Fox? We'll probably start with you, Mario. Mario.
1: There was one low-profile player, that Tyrone Roberts something, was with those two guys, I believe.
0: That's right. He was so low-profile, I couldn't remember him.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if he got the exact same fines as them or not, but honestly, who gives a crap? He's a nobody. Um, But there's no question the fines were too lenient. The punishment was they were being hit with a wet lettuce leaf. In what possible way is there any disincentive for other players to – not break the like you know, disincentive for them to break the rules when you consider that Nathan Cleary told complete lies about the situation has been found out via TikTok of all things that he has lied about the situation and because the police have come out and said well he was in his own home uh, so he hasn't broken the rules the girls who visited have uh, it, it just lets the NRL let him off completely
0: Xander, I'm inclined to agree with Mario here. I think it's an extremely light punishment. Um, the only logic I can see is that the NRL may have anticipated that a shitload more players uh, might be found out, and if they went too tough, they might not have any players left by kickoff.
2: They obviously want to strike a balance because it, they'll they'll know that people will be trawling social media and, and timestamping stuff, and they could have a floodgate situation that could basically kill the season before it starts. But I think I think the they probably went a little bit too on the light side of the balance. Cleary's explanation of the start sounded reasonably fair. It was still you know, stupid. I mean, the comparison being that he's took place at his home and it was his sister's mates and they come over, blah, blah, blah. Sounds good until you see the TikTok video, which means you really kind of have to double that penalty at least. Um, but they they were in a bit of a, a bind, I reckon. They needed, to, they needed to send a strong message, but they also uh, needed to ensure they didn't... Um, uh, scuttle the entire season before it started because I think I think that they probably have it on good authority that this <laughs> there's probably already other other photos that are going to be uh, leaked um, of other I would like
1: to jump in and just say I don't care who the players are, I don't care if it's bloody Cam Smith and Tom Travojevic you know, getting it on together the, who cares who the players are banned a lot of them Give them at least six weeks. And if you have to ban 30 players for six weeks, fine. The comp will survive. There's reserve-grade players desperate for a, a spot. At least maybe they deserve it rather than these us morons who are putting the entire competition at risk, putting their families at risk, putting their friends at risk. by all the, like. It's not that hard. You might not have it. I might not have it. But the moment we're mm. all in, going around interacting with these other people, we're putting all those other people at risk and we're putting third parties at risk because I get it. I go around touching things because I'm clearly not doing the right thing because I'm Nathan Cleary or LaTrell Mitchell. I'm going to give it to people I may never even meet.
2: Originally, there were talk that maybe they would actually extend the the penalties for people who break protocol once the season starts um, to even costing their teams competition points. And I'm actually kind of for that idea um, because it it adds an extra element of um, uh, responsibility uh, that uh, that goes beyond just the, the selfish stupidity of your average player who might think they can wear uh, a, a tough decision but make it reconsider it if they, for example, know they're going to cost their team competition points.
0: Look, I want to get into that, Zander, because the concept of group guilt is a really interesting one. But I just want to, I, I guess, call back something Mario just said. Uh, what, why did it come into your mind to think of a Tom Trebojevic, Cameron Smith porno?
1: I I started to just say Cam Smith out of habit, and then I realized, well, me saying that I don't care if Cam Smith gets banned really doesn't, you know, isn't going to impress anyone, but by throwing Tommy Turbo in there, the absolute clean skin of it, of, of the competition. Also, he is more likely to be in a porno than most players, given that, he, you know, from everything I hear, he has the biggest schlong in the comp now that George Burg- Burgess has left. <laughs>
0: And in that scenario mate, who would be the bored housewife and who would be the aggressive mechanic?
1: Well, I feel like we'd have to have a an extra person because Cam Smith would of course have to referee the entire thing. So we'd need someone to be Tommy Tommy's bitch so he can be the 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 mechanic and you know someone else can be the housewife.
0: I love it. Cameron Smith would just be there watching and complaining. Um, but look, Xander, you did raise a really interesting point there, and it was floated, the idea of docking points uh, for teams who had players playing for their club who had flouted these social distancing rules. It's obviously a pretty hefty penalty, but this group guilt concept, I'm, starting, I'm really thinking that, look, this is actually putting the NRL in jeopardy, like the, the restart date in jeopardy. Isn't that enough group guilt? Because obviously if something goes wrong here players will never forgive him and neither will administrators or coaches or anyone else involved in the game, won't they?
2: Well, I mean, you know, is it enough? I mean, judging by the last week, uh, I don't think it, it's dawned on them, but I think if it's explicitly explained that, say, Josh Adokar will cost the Storm two competition points um, because of his, you know, him him having three indiscretions, apparently, um, or Luttrell effectively costing South half of their only win of the year. I think, I think it just changes the calculus because it's those players that, they, that they're immediately with, have, they have the strongest
0: bond with. And Xander, I'm not one to psychoanalyse your motives here, but it just so happens that those players play for the Melbourne Storm and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Do you have an axe to grind here, I guess is my next question.
2: Obviously, um, but, but I think that even if it were, even if it were with uh, you know Roosters players involved, I would feel the same way. I think that, I think as you said, you know it's the broader competition at stake. So you probably have to treat this as a fairly extraordinary circumstance in which, you know, you need to you need to be a little bit draconian in a way that perhaps we wouldn't, you know, in normal circumstances.
1: Imagine a team losing two competition points in a twenty-round comp. So we've got what four four fewer games for each team than a normal season, losing two points could be extra crucial. It's almost like two point, two points or something in comparison just to do some really poor maths there. Yes. Just, I think it would, only, it would only take one player to cop that points fine for then every other team to you know, absolutely put the hammer down on their players and say, you stay the fuck in your houses, you morons.
0: From a Rooster's point of view, if Nat Butcher, for example, decided to have an orgy, we'd be on minus points because we haven't won yet. So that'd be interesting new territory for the club to actually be in minus. You were talking about um, draconian measures before. And of course, Phil Gould has been very vocal uh, in the wake of all of this, suggesting that players who have been found guilty of flouting these social distancing rules should actually be wiped out for the whole season. Do you think there's any credence in that view?
2: I mean. I think at this stage it it feels a little bit excessive. I think I think a month to me kind of feels right, given that there's still a month before they actually get on the paddock, so they've got time to adjust. It should have been four games to start with, and then if it keeps happening, you just you know you ramp it up to to maybe three, and then after that, if if people keep stuffing up, it's like that's it. You
0: know, mm. yeah,
2: uh, you, 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 make, you make you make they're gone for the season.
0: Are you happy with the fines so far as well?
2: No, they're a bit piss weak, aren't they? I mean, it's it's a slap on the wrist at this point. Or, as uh, Mario put it, wet lettuce, I think. <laughs> uh, I
0: saw it today illustrated really well. I think it worked out to be 1% of Nathan Cleary's total wage. So in that sense, it doesn't seem very severe.
2: It strikes me as a shot across the bow before, because like, now they're a month out. And, but, you know, I mean, it's a shot across the bow that's probably a little bit too far out in front. Um, you know, I almost feel like they, they really needed to have made, made it really clear that uh, people can fuck up. And I don't know if this really achieved that. I don't think he did it did at all.
0: Mario, mate, um, if you were the NRL CEO, heaven forbid, what would you hand down as the perfect punishment for players who are caught out on this social distancing stuff?
1: I said for these guys, it should have been about six weeks. But the more I've thought of it, it's right at the start of this whole thing I'd be more inclined, the more I've thought about it, to be a little more lenient. But I would have put all four of these players into immediate two-week quarantine as of now where they're not allowed to leave their homes. That would effectively leave them not really match fit come the start of the comp. So it would still be a disadvantage to the players and the team and it would be a disincentive. But anyone, once this comp starts, found breaking those rules should be given, you know, in my opinion let's say, at least 10 weeks or something, any club found covering up such an event should be kicked out of the comp for the rest of the season.
0: What did you guys make of the, uh, I guess, the the difference in punishments that were handed down between the three? So Cleary seemed to get off with of a, a lighter slap on the wrist than the other two because the the rationale being that he was in his own home. But look, I guess I was thinking about that and thinking, well, that's still a breach of the rules, right? I mean, if you were found to be, and you were not an NRL player and you were found to be um, having big parties at your house, I still think you're in line for the regulation $1,000 fine, aren't you? To me, there doesn't seem to be a major difference. Do you guys agree with that or not? No,
2: I probably disagree a little bit. Um, I think just purely from a sanction standpoint, there, there are two issues with the Luttrell uh, Mitchell and Addo Car one, and that is, yeah, it's a, it's a much more involved process than going camping. They really had to. Uh, that's much more premeditated. But also, um, you know, there are photos with them basically shooting guns, and and none of them have firearms licences. So there's actually a crime involved. So it's it's at the lighter end of the spectrum. But um, there are compound. There there are additional factors there that to me mean that uh, their their um, breach needs to be treated more harshly. But I'd also add that like a bit dumb of of them too. There are shots of them both um, on dirt bikes and things like that. I mean, in the US, uh, professional uh, footballers and athletes have sign, you know, waivers basically saying they're not going to undertake any activity that could risk injury and and jeopardize their contract. So, yeah, I mean, things like that, just that that as well. I mean, whilst obviously uh, irrelevant in this particular circumstance, just struck me as a bit thoughtless.
0: True, but I guess NRL players probably are doing that all the time, you know, doing extreme sports and you could hurt yourself surfing, you know, but I see what you're saying. I think there are some extra variables in the Addo Carr and uh, Latrell Mitchell scenario, but but it just seemed weird that the NRL put out that rationale of uh, the reason we're finding Cleary less is because he was in his own home. Um, I, I get the premeditated aspect to it, but it was just unusually phrased. Is this bad optics for the NRL to have, I guess, handed down different punishments uh, when it came to Cleary versus the rest, especially when we consider that there was a fair bit of blowback and um, accusations of things like racism, uh, which I don't know how mainstream those accusations are, but from a a sort of organisation standpoint, I would have thought that they'd want to make sure that they're at least seen to be treating everyone equally.
1: I don't... Just... Although numerous racists did jump onto this subject, I don't think it necessarily should be a racial issue. You've still got to... It's like saying just because someone with coloured skin head-high tackles someone and someone with white skin slaps someone in the face, they're not the same crime. You can't give them the same punishment. So they've got to judge on one being worse than the other. Now, that being said, anyone who believes um, Nathan Cleary's story is yeah, they're dreaming given that TikTok video, and I um received a bit of a an anonymous tip from a, a source that on Twitter that said pointed out to me that the big question is where was Ivan Cleary because Nathan, according to this person, lives with his parents, and Ivan has actually um donated a kidney to his brother, so he would be more required to to be isolated in his home, and that being the case. Ivan must have been at the house at the time, so he has also breached the quarantine rules and in a way that's much more serious because of his health situation.
0: So, the big question there, Mario, is where was Ivan if indeed they're all living under the same roof?
1: Indeed, and that's obviously they're never going to admit that, and we're never going to hear anything about it because he's not a moron who's going to post his indiscretions on, on social media. Um, but it, just that TikTok video where he's clearly invited the girls in and spent time dancing with them and they've been lying all over him, saying that, oh, it's my house and they just came in, it, it's, a, it's a completely weak excuse because it's quite obvious that he was very happy for them to be there. And he, everybody knows that that is in breach of the rules. And even come Friday when the rules are weakened a little bit, it, that will still have been in breach of those rules.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you guys found this at all amusing. I don't know if it's just because I have a dark sense of humour, but obviously when the TikTok videos of Nathan Cleary came out, the fact that it wasn't just more of the same, the fact that he was doing semi-choreographed dancing, um, which seemed to contradict the original story. You couldn't go out of your way to contradict your original story anymore, could you? You go, they just dropped around for 10 minutes. It was, it was unplanned. I didn't see it coming. I didn't know the photo even happened. And then suddenly there's videos where he looks like he's part of the fucking New York Knicks cheerleading squad. Um, it was a terrible look, Xander. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And I
2: don't know if uh, you guys saw it, but his uh, response to the the release of the, the video um and the question uh, as to why he didn't raise this with the integrity unit before. He said, well, nobody asked me about the TikTok video, so he didn't bring it up. I just thought, oh, fuck. Ah. You can't make this shit up, you know I mean? It's just very, and it's, it's not just a risk to the players. I mean, it, it turns out that each of the the girls in that photo are likely to get a thousand dollar fine as well because they're all identified in high profile now. Um, you know, so people—people people in general—it's not even just the players anymore that are liable to suffer from this. It's anybody who who wants to take a, a selfie with them right now and and um, you know try and uh, try and make something of this situation. But I, I, I getting back to the um the disparities in the punishment, I do think that one of the things we're also kind of forgetting is on the Ado Car incident, at least um, it was apparently his third indiscretion. So he had a bit a bit more form on the board. I, I don't know what the other two were, but, um, yeah, those the reports were that he'd had a couple.
0: I'm not actually aware of what they are. I have to look into that. Yeah. Do you think Addo Carr, that he should be met with a more lenient punishment because he posted his crime on social media? I mean, to me, clearly, he's struggling in the brain department and deserves some kind of leniency.
2: The, the Donald Trump defence, isn't it? commit your crimes in broad daylight and just hope nobody notices
0: exactly if if it's an indication of state of mind right clearly someone who posts that on their instagram doesn't actually know that what they're doing is wrong in a way it kind of makes him less culpable because he it, i mean who would do that otherwise does it make him less cul- i mean i don't know
1: Ignorance is not supposed to be a defence legally, so no.
0: True, but isn't isn't intention? For example, uh, first-degree murder and manslaughter. The intentions are different. So, if if the if the mental disposition is I actually thought I was acting within the law, as opposed to an Nathan Cleary who clearly has lied about uh, his indiscretion. Uh, because as Xander pointed out earlier, he went, "Oh well, I You never asked me about the TikTok videos. Sure, I've." They were here for 30 minutes, if you must know. Um, In a weird way, that makes Nathan Cleary, in my mind, more culpable because he's attempting to cover up something and clearly he had a guilty conscience and knew what he was doing was wrong. Not the actions of someone who would necessarily post your camping trip on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's I'm just a imagining
1: Judy making a, making a ruling. It's like, okay, sir, you're in the wrong, but you're a moron, so you're free to go.
0: <laughs> Look, a really big question, though, that this has all obviously turned up, is beyond all of the indiscretions, the NRL is still negotiating the the final um, crossing of the T's and dotting of the I's of the, the state governments and the federal governments. Boys, do you reckon this has damaged our chances of returning on May 28 now? I mean, to me, this has genuinely put the entire game in jeopardy i'll start with you Xander. Uh,
2: i mean at this stage I, I my sense would be that it's not quite serious enough i mean if you were given the stage we're out with the virus and um you know just the nature of these they're really when you when you step back from it all it's more just um naive silliness for the most part these aren't really huge things um but if it becomes a trend then then we're in a bit of trouble i think i think you you're allowed a couple of you know you're allowed a couple of free passes um, probably early on and that's when you have to make your stand but if 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 in the coming fortnight there's a there's a raft of these then we're in real trouble but at the moment i don't think we are
0: see my issue here guys is the fact that you know the NRL's plan really hinges on this health and safety protocol which is demonstrating to the government that its players can follow really stringent um, guidelines to ensure that there is wider community safety and this these images although they're isolated cases at this stage they really fly in the face of that right
1: i i think as you it's more along the lines of it just looks bad and it, the whole you know sport is about popularity and it's a war of public opinion and the reality is if if you piss off people who are sort of swing on the edge of wanting to watch a show or not, if you're going out of your way to piss them off and they might be less likely to watch and those are important ratings gone and just little things in terms of, you know, fewer letters to the editor saying, Oh, you know, blah, 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 just garbage. The the sort of garbage that we all see in the Facebook comments where these morons are saying, Oh, how come they get to do this? And you and I don't. The The, the thing is, most of us, I'd say just about everybody, has broken a rule or two in, in this isolation period. Everybody has, you know, bent a rule at some point and, you know, just stood too close to somebody. As simple as that, you know, being in a queue and stood too close to the person in front of them. We're all, none of us are perfect. So I think these breaches are minor enough and as it appears, no harm done. But as you said, if it is a continuing trend, the government could just step in and say, nut, nah, you're out.
0: i got to tell you, if we indeed we do go ahead on May 28, are we able to rename May 28 Peter Fitzsimons Free Day? Because he has not written about anything else for about a month now. Um, I wish I could get paid for copy-paste. But literally, it's been a deluge basically every day replicating the same argument. And in fact, the same argument that, that Mario just um espoused just then which is how come they get to do it and we can't well the fact is no one's preventing other organisations from doing it you just need to pass all the checks and balances and which the NRL is forging ahead with You
1: guys see today's article
0: Yeah I had a bit of a read of it I couldn't help myself
1: <laughs> I mean it was just um it was particularly funny the uh, the head, the start of it or the headline or something was along the lines of I want this comp to start just as much as anybody but
2: you know, it's it's painful and it, it is it it as you said, like it's getting it's getting really tedious, and you can even see that in the responses. Like there was a lot of responses, funnily enough, people saying things like, I often agree with you on X, Peter, but Jesus, this is getting boring. Mm. Um, you know, so like even people who were partial to him are just getting over it. And then there are people like us, and and you know, I agree with uh, Simon's on some things, um, but uh, yeah, the stadium issue and and now this, it is getting very boring, and it's also just getting very obvious how conflicted he is. I mean, the fact that it was well, the contrast for me was really stark. Um, watching him tiptoe around his trust fund buddies um, who signed that letter against the uh, Railing Castle at Rugby Australia, where he was he was trying to be um, critical of them, but God he he was it was it was sanctimonious you know uh, benefit of the doubt bullshit language that he gave the contrast um with Fitz's work on on rugby league which i feel has been really dripping with uh vindictiveness and contention um throughout uh his uh his coverage of it. it was just really stark with the way he covered the um the ten faceless men who uh, sought to have railing castle sacked at Rugby Australia, led by his old buddy, Nick Farr-Jones, the uh, the trust fund elbow patch brigade, if you will. Um, and, he, you know, listening to him on Nine Sport on Sunday, he was giving them every benefit of the doubt. He was trying to, trying to hold them to account, but, oh, they've got the best of intentions. I mean, you know, I don't doubt they love the game. And, you know, I mean, he's talking about a bloke that took apparently $50,000 of uh, money for... Uh, indigenous uh, player programs uh, when he was involved in, in rugby, uh, Nick Far jones according to the, the reporting by the SMH, and gave it as a, a loan to a buddy. You know, I mean, these are these are not terribly ethical people. And um, it just struck me as being pretty galling, the, just the contrast in, in, in his style there. Um, and to me, speaks to a broader... Uh, uh, don't know if I'd call it a blatant agenda, but certainly a prejudice.
0: I don't know if you guys have detected this in his writing or not, but he's he's always talking directly to the premier. Because clearly the the motivation for him is to to make sure that there's some state action against the NRL. um so he he, he sort of, takes great pains to ensure that his tone is messaged directly to the Premier. So it it seems pretty clear that it's rugby union propaganda to me. But look we will talk about the NRL and these player breaches and and I guess to finish off, we don't know what's going to happen. We can't predict the future. But your instincts, gentlemen, you obviously you've been around the NRL a lot. Do you think in your heart of hearts there's going to be more player breaches to come before May twenty eight? Yes. And are you you going to furnish us some more details? Do you have any... Because we do know that journos are going to be pouring through social media, as Xander mentioned earlier. We do know now that there's going to be a bit of a gotcha game being played uh, because we understand how many eyeballs and how many clicks that these stories are going to get. Um, So if any player has been found um, to have breached the rules and has been foolish enough to film it at any point or take a photo at any point, surely that's going to come out in the wash over the next week.
1: Surely. Well, the two players that I'm most expecting it from that I think are probably two of the dumbest, uh, James Roberts and Moses Soorley. I'm expecting one or both of them to get busted any day now.
0: Respect the fact that you've chosen a player in your own side, Mario. I appreciate that. It's not just complete partisan um, admissions there. Should we take bets on who we think the next person will be to break protocol? Because for me, it's i Ponga. Uh, I'm, if I'm going to be so bold, I, was, I would actually predict he'd be maybe doing the coke off the tits of several cool girls. Xander, who do you think is going to break protocol next?
2: You know, I hadn't actually thought about um, it from that standpoint. Ponger seems like, yeah, he'd be a good candidate, but um, I, I have a, a sneaking suspicion it, it, um, it, could be, it could be somebody who probably thinks they're above the above the fray a little bit maybe maybe even something like someone like a cam smith
0: that's even if he decides to turn up the old man i noticed guys in the last couple of hours there's been a release from the nrl saying that um training will be pushed back a day in the lead up to the may 28 kickoff to make way for an entire day dedicated to educating the players about health protocols do you think this will (laughs) help what are your opinions there
1: I don't think it's going to help because it's it might help one or two of the players but the reality is dumb gonna dumb there's always you know telling people don't bash your wife doesn't stop them bashing their wives and it doesn't it's not going to stop the idiots from going out and breaking the rules because they think that they're more important than everybody else
0: Xander do you think dumb get a dumb? <laughs> yeah,
2: there is a real danger of that um I just to say it, it really is. I think it goes, it comes down to how how um, severe these uh, sessions are. I think if if they put on the table that they're going to cost their team's points and they're going to be out for the year, uh, um, maybe that'll do the trick. But there needs there needs to be a really firm message for it to hit the deck with these guys.
0: Well, you know, earlier in this uh, chat, Mario had a secret sauce and I'm not to be outdone, Eamon also has a secret sauce and I have it on good authority that at this new biosecurity training event, Nathan Cleary will actually be giving a a speech directly uh, through an interpretive dance on TikTok. More after this. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Well, on a more positive note, uh, more details have been released about what the NRL season will look like when it kicks off on May 28th. This is what we know so far. A 20-round competition is likely. The grand final will be played in late October. And the state of origin will take place after the season. I pretty much got all of my wish list, lads. Uh, where do you guys fit with this plan?
1: Um, I'm... Is it weird that I'm a little disappointed that we're not just stopping at a fifteen-round season? Because I really like the idea of everyone playing each other once and having a level playing field, whereas you know someone is going to get you know to play the the um the sharks and the warriors and the titans and the dragons and the bulldogs as they five teams, they play twice. And that's a huge advantage.
0: Big shout out to the Brisbane Broncos. I agree with you, mate. It was one of those little pipe dreams, wasn't it? That we could finally have a draw that was actually fair and equitable. Um, but of course, we never really believed that, did we? I mean, we always knew that there was always going to be a bit of a slant on the way that we run the NRL and its draw. Personally, I see your point there about having um, a sort of philosophically even draw. But at the same time, the NRL fan in me suggests I want to see as much football as possible because I know I've missed out on so much. Xander, how do you see the twenty-round format? Do you agree, disagree, or are you nonplussed?
2: Yeah, kind of. I kind of agree with Mario. Actually, I, you know, in a certain way, I wouldn't have minded um, having uh, the fifteen-round competition because I think it would have been a little bit more pure. Um, but. 20 rounds have probably them their broadcast uh, value back. And and I do like the idea of them having this shortened uh, state of origin right after the season. So, I mean, it's, it's probably the best of both worlds. It's going to be a weird season either way, though.
0: Do you think if we all just played each other the once that it would be a bit unfair on the teams that hadn't got off the mark yet? Because that's obviously placing the pressure on winning immediately to make that eight.
1: The, I mean... Yeah, let, let's not go over last episode's old ground on the <laughs> fairness around 15 rounds. It is going to be very interesting. I mean, I love the idea of the shortened state of origin. I think it's going to be so much better having standalone state of origin. I don't know if they've said if they're going to throw a couple of internationals on at the same time. That'd be fantastic. You know, Tonga, Samoa, New Zealand, etc. Um, but it is going to be hot as buggery for those origin games, isn't it? I mean... Those, it, it, origin, it's going to have to be sometime mid-late November, the final game. And, you know, we, we could be playing in 40-degree temperatures the way global warming's going.
0: Mario, you know what I'm going to say. It brings the little men into the game. That's all it does. Let's face it. Xander, what do you think? Origin, will it be different playing in 40-degree heat?
2: Yeah, it'll be slippery. Um, you know, it also depends where they play it, right? Like They could, all, they could, they could potentially play it down in Tasmania. That'll, that'll cool things down a little bit. And if there are no crowds, then who cares where you play?
0: And it's about time we took an origin to Tasmania, I say. Uh, they've been crying out for a game down there.
1: Do we think there's going to be still no crowds by origin? Like maybe by the grand final, it's I reckon it's 50-50 at best. But by November, like music festivals have been postponed to November, things like that. But it does feel like, and we're, we're already on the downward trend. I know we're about to go back up again a little bit as they restrict relax the restrictions but you'd think by November that we could possibly be back to normal apart from international travel so I do agree though that if it is if there is no crowds then yep we should hold it in Tasmania or you know just somewhere that's going to be colder absolutely
0: I kind of feel like we're probably going to have crowds back from maybe August September is the way I see it so I think that the grand final will have a crowd I think State of Origin will have a crowd Honestly, I've said this on the previous episode, but if it was the case where we couldn't have a crowd by the time State of Origin rolled around or the grand final rolled around, I just, I'd actually wouldn't like to see State of Origin played. I'd actually prefer they scrap it. I, that's how integral I think the crowds are. I know you guys probably don't quite agree with me on that, but I, I just don't think that's an event you can hold without a crowd.
2: I mean, they did it in the 90s when they took it to the US. There was
0: nobody there for that. And how did that work out?
1: Yeah but it was yeah. it was done a bit a bit haphazardly kind of like the um the Denver test that we had it was uh, they they could probably plan things better put them in the in the right location get the right marketing and that sort of stuff the problem is it feels like when we do things like that in NRL we just half ass it because half the people involved aren't actually that keen on it succeeding because there's too many traditionalists who just it should only be played in sydney and and queensland
0: yeah i'm certainly not about that i'm definitely open to new locations i just i guess a secret source in that success of the origin concept for me has always been just how parochial and involved the crowds are i feel like they're the third team really it's it's a really unusual sporting spectacle origin i just the idea of Watching that without the crowds, for me, just does not gee me up. And I could well be wrong about that if it, if indeed it actually happens and we can't have a crowd there. And I love it. I'll eat my words. But I'm visualising getting ready for Origin. And if it's to an empty stadium, I just can't see myself getting as pumped for it.
1: Like I was say, I know Origin's different, but do you really think that round two uh, was – a it was detracted by not having the crowds all that much. I mean, I, I didn't really care. It sounded different, but I quite enjoyed it. Maybe by the end of the year, I wouldn't. Maybe I'd really be, thank, you know, really keen to hear the crowd and certainly to be in the crowd. You know, I've been to a few Origins and a few Grand Finals and stuff. I, I, I love it. So I'd certainly love to be in it. But if it's a, if a matter of having it or not, I'd rather we have it.
0: I mean, to your question, mate, look, it definitely to me is a, is a lesser product without the crowd. I think for me, there's no doubt about that. And we can forensically go over those first two rounds and I guess pick out the little differences that we enjoyed. You know, the, the silver lining of being able to hear plays on the field. And it, just, it was kind of cool because it was novel. But the idea of having that on a full-time basis for me is not very enjoyable.
1: Okay, fair enough. I mean... I think long term it might detract from the product I just personally didn't think it did on a short term basis.
0: No fair enough I probably I probably agree with you on that. I think for novel value I didn't mind having empty stadiums so long as I knew that the timeline was finite. You know I knew that at some stage we would get crowds back again. Um so I can kind of put up with it but I don't know for me grand finals and state of origins we need a packed house. I feel like it doesn't operate otherwise. But look, um, we were talking before about the fact that the draw will include um, teams playing other teams twice. I believe the calculus is five extra teams that each team will play during the year. Do you think that should be based on things like rivalry lines or should we go with the sort of status quo, the way that they kind of work it out every year?
2: I think the Roosters should play the Titans twice.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I'd like the Titans twice and the Warriors four times, ideally. Mario, how do you think we should work it out? Should it be about rivalries to kind of get maximum investment from the fans?
1: I'm so torn on that. I mean, I don't want to play Melbourne twice because I'd rather have an easy draw, but Manly are going to get Melbourne and Parramatta twice and Roosters are going to get South twice. Those are are just pretty much gimmies if they do it, you know, based on rivalries and what's going to rate the best and blah, blah. Probably the fairest way would simply be if we're only having 20 rounds and Instead, 20 games each instead of 24 games each, just whatever the last four games everyone was going to have, just ditch them. As long as everyone has still played each other under that circumstance, just let it play out the way the first 20 rounds would have played out under the old draw.
0: Yeah, I mean, inclined to agree with that. I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel with this kind of stuff. Um, and look, just for the record, uh, if there's any NRL policy and drawmakers... Uh, listening to the podcast today the Roosters have a pretty fierce rivalry with the Gold Coast Titans so don't underestimate it Uh, we need to play them as often as we can but I I did want to harp back to something on State of Origin now we we know this is happening at the end of the year and I think I hope I'm not misquoting you guys in that we are kind of in agreement that we like the three successive week model Uh, apologies if I am um, attributing an opinion that you don't have. Personally, I like it. I like the idea of State of Origin played in three successive weeks and we pause the competition. Do you think if this does prove to be pretty successful and people like it that we might see this being implemented on a full-time basis, the fact that we will see a State of Origin played week one, week two, week three, without sort of creating a mediocre NRL competition at the same time? I,
2: I doubt it. I can't see. I just can't see them putting State of Origin at the end of the season, once things go back to normal, just because, I mean, even trialling it on a Sunday with the standalone rep weekend, they haven't rated as highly as they normally would. And um, I think there is a cool-off effect um, by placing, the, uh, placing a big game after a grand final when the cricket season is starting and all the rest of it. And there's also the fact that um, the players have sort of ended that party um, party mode by that stage. I mean, I, I think I think it'll, there'll be a lot of pushback within the NRL player community and coaching community. And um, I also think the broadcasters won't like it. That said, for this particular year, I mean, in a sense, we'll be getting more top-line club football, right? Because it'll be less disrupted. I mean, there's it, there's about, you know, two months of, of, of footy that gets disrupted by Origin. Um, we won't have any of that this year. So it'll, it'll be, in a sense... A more pure competition to a degree.
0: And I guess that's what I'm getting to. I think that's a, a better scenario. So weirdly, it took a pandemic to potentially trial it. But look, it doesn't even have to be at the end of the year. We could be looking at three successive weeks in the middle of the season. Mario, how do you feel about that? The idea of not having that kind of interruption, as Xander described it, in the NRL competition and just having State of Origin play its way out for a period of three weeks. We make a huge deal of it. And then we go back to business as normal uh, with the NRL. Do you think there's any kind of merit to doing that?
1: Look, between you, you've basically said everything I was sitting there wanting to say. And it definitely doesn't have to be the end of the year for this year. I think it's certainly the best option, but for, because they want to potentially get crowds, but for future years, three weeks in a row would be fantastic and the the reason that people say that they don't like the idea is because those players get too tired and they won't be able to back up for three straight origin games. I say tough shit. If they're not good if they're not fit enough to play those three weeks in a row, don't play them or play them for fewer minutes, have a bigger squad. You know, maybe not everyone has to play all three games. You pick the best you know, say 22 players are going to get you through those three games over the three weeks. If And if teams are disadvantaged because they've got players in origin, well, that's bad luck because you're signing origin quality players.
0: I mean, is that really a legitimate excuse that a seven-day turnaround isn't enough time for a player to back up for an origin? I mean, you're the elite of the elite. Seven days. I mean, the Broncos would know about this. They get nothing but seven-day turnarounds. I mean it's enough time isn't it to recuperate even with a state of origin and come back and play your best
1: well the the argument that i've heard and i wish i could remember who and what they said precisely because i'm going to misquote it and and screw it up but that apparently it's easier to play the day or two days after origin because you're still kind of in that zone. All the aches and pains haven't really kicked in. Whereas playing five, six, seven days later is actually harder, is what I re- recall hearing, I think. Um, but as, as I said, I just don't care. If Jake Travoyevich plays the hardest game of his life in game one and he's too tired for game two, then don't pick him. Pick someone else. It, it, to me, it's as simple as that. And we've got enough players... You know, there's people, there's numerous players like Matto and Gutho and stuff who are sitting there on the sidelines, good enough to play, but not not getting a spot because other players are getting so much of a rest. Well, just don't give them that big a rest. And if they're not able to back up or they've got a niggling injury, don't pick them.
0: I like the way you think, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely along those same lines. And I hope that King Gutho gets a run at some point in the state of origin. I definitely think he's up to the challenge. We're going to go to the NRL competition more broadly, though, forgetting Origin for a moment. This is an unusual scenario, obviously. No one's planned on a, a pandemic and players been in lockdown. What do you guys think that teams or players in lockdown would have need to have done to put themselves in a, I guess, in a good position coming onto the field at the end of May? The onus has been on individuals, I suppose, to ensure that their fitness levels have been maintained This'll be a real revealer of character and and I guess professionalism, won't it? Because we may see some players coming emerging from lockdown, not mentioning any names, Joe Lalua, who may have put on probably an extra twenty or thirty kilograms. Xander, do you think there's any chance we're gonna see the separation of the wheat from the chaff come May twenty eight and we're gonna see which teams and individuals have been professional or which haven't?
2: Absolutely. I mean there's just no doubt about it, right? I mean there's there's been a real serious hiatus and players haven't been able to lo- lo- leave their houses for, for solid chunks of time. So they'll have been given homework by their coaches, but the, I think the amount of them who will have actually done that, that physical work and, you know, let's, let's be honest, match fitness and, and training, all the rest sort of it are different thing from, from lockdown training. Um, I, I think there's going to be a real disparity. I mean, shit. If players are going on camping trips uh, and riding dirt track um, bikes and things like that, then we can already see that there's, there's going to be some disparity in, in the level of discipline.
0: That's right. But on the, on the plus side, we all know that Latrell Mitchell will probably have some pretty beefed forearms because that's apparently what happens when you do handle a double barrel shotgun so regularly. What about you, Mario? Do you think that we're going to see a, a more of a disparity between teams given that there has been this couple of month lockdown period where they haven't been under the watchful eyes of their coaches and, and their trainers?
1: I, I'm i really surprised that Josh Addo Carr has been involved in something like this simply because he's being coached by Bellamy and Bellamy is clearly the greatest off-season coach ever. You know, he never, ever loses a round one. So you can guarantee that he will win round three because it counts as another off-season. Um, yeah. But... I, I think in this particular circumstances, you can you can right now bet the house on Nathan Cleary for Dally M because dancing is great exercise and he's clearly been busy dancing during the off-season.
0: Look, guys, we will finish uh, before we get into our little predictions for the season coming up. Um, we haven't spoken yet about the departure of one Todd Greenberg. We'll touch on that really quickly because it is kind of old news now, I guess. Um the next CEO, do we have any thoughts on who the next chief executive officer will be for the NRL? The pundits are saying it's likely to be Andrew Abdo, given he's probably going to be a fairly useful puppet for Peter Volandis. Um, but what what do you guys think? Are there any likely candidates that are coming to the fore for you?
2: Not from the the, the current setup, to be completely honest. I mean, I I would actually want to see them look further afield. Um you know, keep the keep keep advisors um, to the CEO from within that NRL fraternity. But I like the idea of looking beyond the game uh, and finding somebody who who might uh, look at things with a fresh uh, perspective, has runs on the board somewhere else, and and, and a good a good reputation in business, um, just more broadly, and and hopefully sports business. Like it would be interesting to get, um, say, somebody who'd had um, experience working with the National Football League in the US or um, you know, European sport or something like that to come in and, and, and bring a few ideas.
0: I mean, fresh perspective, what about Elon Musk? I'd love him to come in. I'd love him to run the NRL for a period of 12 months. The game would be run on renewable energy. Obviously, you turn the game carbon neutral. That that goes without saying. But now, boys, I will remind you, uh, apparently, according to Zoom, which is the platform we're recording on at the moment, we have 10 minutes until it cuts us out. So what I will do is move on to our predictions for the 2020 season. And this is where uh, we're going to give the listeners our bold predictions about what are going to happen on the on-field performances for this year. Um, now, this could be anything really from a, a player performance to a team performance to uh, a player misbehaving. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Mario, if it's OK, we might start with you, mate. Uh, when the season actually resumes, do you have any bold predictions of what's going to happen?
1: Um, Moses Soley will be at the Dragons by round four and we will sign James Maloney to be our 5'8 for the rest of this season.
0: Wow, I don't know where to start there. So James Maloney, so is this because the Super League is suspended and he's got no one to play for?
1: Exactly. He's actually stated that amongst numerous other players, he stated that he would like to come back to the NRL for the remainder of this season. We'd probably get him at a discounted rate. We're getting rid of Moses Sully, who's on a reasonable contract. So I think we could get an absolute bargain in James Maloney and move Dylan Walker back to the centres to replace... Suli in that position, and we have vastly improved our team without spending any extra money, potentially.
0: Murray, you're obviously a Manly fan, but from an outsider looking in, I've, I've liked Moses Suli. Are, are you a critic of him, are you?
1: I know I like him. I, I do like him as a player on the field, but he is uh, he's not going to go well at the Dragons because he, he's proven that Des is the only person who can coach him because so far because he needs to be babied. And Mary is a moron who won't be able to do that. So, but I do like him as a player. But come on, James Maloney—it's not—it's not a contest. Yes.
0: I totally agree with you. It's just I know you've mentioned I think a couple of times about Moses Suli uh, moving on, and you haven't sort of said it with a great deal of regret. And I—I got to say, I mean, he's a real handful, isn't he? I thought he was one of your guns last year. I mean, Manly had a bumper season. He had a number of individuals playing well, obviously. Uh, but to me, Moses Suli was a big part of that success.
1: Oh, for sure. But if if the rumour is true that he signed for the Dragons, and that's if, then, oh, well, it's done. We're not, you know, He's not in our future plans, so moving him on. If we can use that to get someone better is, is my point. If he's staying, then absolutely. Stay, Moses. We, we'll happily have you. But with the amount of gun centres we've got coming through the ranks, it's, I'm not going to lose any sleep if we lose him.
0: Fair enough, too. And I agree with you. Dylan Walker's not a six. I think he is a natural centre. Even though he's been... He's proved me wrong last year. He actually did fairly well in the sixth jersey when he returned. Xander, um, given our limited amount of time recording on this platform, if you can give us your predictions for 2020, um, how do you see it going?
2: Um, I'll start with player predictions. I I, uh, predict that Latrell Mitchell uh, will not finish the season as a fullback for South Sydney and may not finish the season uh, at all uh, at this stage. Um, I reckon that his off-field issues are going to continue, so I, I have a nasty suspicion this won't be the last time he gets into trouble. Um, I think that uh, the Storm will uh, again make the top four. They've started the season strong and um, just have uh, probably the structures in place that are best uh, equipped to handle unusual circumstances like this. And frankly, I'm assuming they're probably cheating in in training somewhere in some locked bubble down in Melbourne. Um, Broader predictions. I am predicting State of Origin to take place in Ottawa to support the growth of the new Ottawa Aces franchise and also keep it cool.
0: Fair enough. So you started out by not going on a limb, out on a limb at all and predicting that Latrell Mitchell would not finish the season at fullback and then went completely the other way and had a State of Origin played in Canada. I loved your schizophrenic predictions. I appreciate you bringing that to the podcast because in a way, that's part of our DNA, isn't it? Madness. So I appreciate that, Xander. It's a bait and switch.
2: It was reasonable to start with, but it had to go somewhere different.
0: Uh, look, for what it's worth, I think for me, um, I've got two bold predictions and they're both along the lines of players that are going to have great seasons. Um, one's not a great prediction because I think we can see it boiling over already. That's Katoni Staggs for the Brisbane Broncos who has started off the year uh, in lightning form, picked up from where he was last year. I think pound for pound, he's one of the strongest NRL players that I've ever seen, to be completely honest. Something seems almost not right with his physicality. He's too strong. Um, And I believe he's a New South Welshman, or at least eligible to be selected for the Blues. So my other bold prediction is he will play for the Sky Blue towards the end of the year. Um, And I think he will be potentially the top try scorer uh, in the NRL competition for 2020. And as my third prediction, Cohen Hess, uh, obviously a player that started off his career in bumper form, and then followed it up with a really disappointing lull. Um, I really loved what I saw in the first two rounds of this year. He looked like he did when he first debuted, frankly. I think from what I saw early on this year, he looks to have put in a pretty major off-season. Um, his physique looks very different. So if I'm going to predict another guy who's going to have a bit of resurgence, it's going to be Cohen Hess. So they're my big predictions For 2020, I notice we have three minutes and 40 seconds remaining, lads. Do you have any final thoughts before I sign off the show today?
1: I have one more prediction. Um, Roosters are going to finish seventh and be beaten by the Panthers in the first round of the
0: finals. That's unusually precise, Mario. Can you give us a little bit of a rationale before we go? No. (laughs) I love. I can tell
2: you why that won't happen, because Nathan Cleary is going to be rubbed out for the season.
0: Mate, we all know that's not going to happen. He's, he's going to get fined about $18.50 and his chocolate rations are going to be revoked. That's about as severe as it's going to get for Nathan Cleary. But look, thank you very much, listeners, for tuning in once again. Uh, you can find the show uh, on most social media platforms, apart from TikTok. Um, because Nathan Cleary's really tainted it for us, so we're not going near it anymore. But Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, we can be found at the handle at Voluntary Tackle. So please stay safe. Try not to have any major parties in Taree and we'll see you soon.